topic to cover today and this is the second in the series of webinars that we have been doing as part of the ISB Analytics Special Interest Group. Uh, my name is Himanshu Varudkar. I am a PGP Max 2015 alumni and uh, part of the uh, team which is uh, hosting these. So today we have uh, Dhruv Rajan, uh, who is uh, going to take us through a very interesting topic. Uh, 
the, the kind of use that I think you share is not something that we hear very often, uh, and and it's related to the usage of geos. Some very very interesting use cases. I don't want to find out what he's going to share, uh, but I'm aware uh, of, of what he's doing, but let him uh, explain that to you in a very engaging manner. So, um, Dhruv, over to you. And we have got lots of questions that we have already received from the participants. So, um, we'll take those uh, perhaps as the session goes along and maybe towards the end of it. So, Dhruv, over to you. And um, I hope it goes uh, uh, very interesting for everybody. Thanks, Chief. So thanks for the introduction, and uh, I will try and you know cover as much as I can. I know we only have about an hour or so, but there's so much to talk about in, in geospatial. So I'm just going to go ahead and share my screen. Um, also, maybe you can just confirm once you can see the slides. Yes, we can see it. Yeah, it's visible. Please go ahead. So um, as Imanchu said. Uh, I run a startup called Geospop, and we focus on geospatial uh, and data analytics related to geospatial science. Um, my background is in uh, geographic information science, and I worked in the UK for about five years for a large uh, American software vendor in this space. Um, started Geospop uh, in 2015, uh, so we're about four years old now, and our focus is, is in the geospatial analytics area. So I'll, I'll kind of get started by kind of introducing what GIS means. So GIS stands for Geographic Information Science or Systems. Um, essentially, it means the combination of uh, geospatial data, um, spatial analytics, and visualization. Um, and the three combined together provide you a geographic information system. Uh, decision making that otherwise is quite difficult to do using traditional uh, you know, uh, data-driven dashboards or uh, AI tools where you have bars and graphs. So it's easy to answer what and and why and when and how in those kind of graphs, but very difficult to answer the where question. And essentially, that's what uh, geospatial science or, or GIS systems allows you to do. So everything that I'm going to be talking about today is how this technology actually works and what are the real-world applications of, of this technology, and then show you some demonstrations of how we have actually built solutions to answer some pretty interesting uh, business questions using geospatial tools and visualization. So as I mentioned, the first part of uh, any GIS system is uh, the spatial data. Uh, geospatial data comes in what I would suggest two uh, main areas. Uh, so one is uh, background information, which is relating to the universe. So things like um, uh, road network data, satellite imagery. Uh, this is all environmental data, which uh, allows me to give context to my business data. And that's the second type of information. Um, uh, kind of relates to uh, your own internal systems. So CRM, uh, database uh, information about your customer locations, about assets. Um, just, I'm just going to pause there. Shimanchu, I saw some messages about audio. Is there a issue on your side? I don't know. I'll do it fine. Yeah, I'm I just saw some messages, so I paused. 
So business data is relating to the internal information contained within businesses. And as I mentioned, things like um, asset information, HR information about your employees, customers, uh, could also be um, locations of your branches of ATMs. And, and the real power of geospatial comes out when you combine external data that I've listed on top with some of these internal data sets that you can see with spatial analysis. You may ask, what is spatial analysis? And this a simple slide kind of covers many different ways in which spatial analysis can happen. So for example, how close are two objects? Um, what is the fastest way to get from one object to the other? What are the hotspots or clusters in a particular area? Um, how many locations are within a certain distance of another? Um, and these are questions that can be fundamentally only answered through a location-driven um, platform or a tool. Uh, and these questions uh, come about when, for example, you want to combine how is weather impacting sales of ACs, for example. Um, there's no relationship between weather and store information apart from the location, right? And that is the way in which geospatial data and tools work. The ability to combine information based on the location is the fundamental uh, game changer. You have, in, you have geospatial data, which both internal and external, and then you also have spatial analysis or, or modeling. And probably not, not the least, the most important aspect is visualization. So how do you take complex uh, location data uh, and potentially some very complex modeling and analysis and display that in a way that is simple and easy for any user to understand? I've just shown you a couple of examples of dashboards that combine traditional uh, BI type of charts and graphs with mapping. And this is one of the most powerful ways in which you can get across the information because humans tend to be very pictorial in their understanding of information. The ability to show something on a map conveys a lot more than a graph or a chart. Uh, and combining those two actually multiplies the effect that you have. So not only can you understand quantities through the graph, you can also understand trends using uh, this type of visualization. So rather than talk too much in theory, I thought I'll focus in on you know two or three uh, applications that uh, we've developed and we also see lots of potential in the market. And then you know we can forward to some of the questions that you might have. First one is uh, an example of application of geospatial data and tools in the retail space. Um, We've worked with one of the largest coffee chains in the world. Uh, this is for their India entity to help them improve the selection for new coffee shops. So typically in a retail site selection scenario, especially in India, it's a very uh, subjective sort of discussion. So the head office asked the local guys to go and you know, scope out a site and they come back with some recommendations. There's very little data around how this decision is made. But actually, if you pull the layers back, you can make data-driven decisions because, for example, you can some demographics, competitor locations, different types of spend categories, land prices, and, and make a decision um, based on the data rather than just some gut feel. Um, and what this coffee shop did was improve the return on investment in selections of sites because a, a site obviously costs a lot of money to build up but also to run. And if they're making less mistakes, then they become more profitable automatically. In fact, they published a, an article on Economic Times about how they've improved the, the ROI based on the solution. I'm going to jump into this, um, this uh, demonstration. Um, Himanshu, you can still see my screen, right? 
So this is uh, Mumbai and uh, this is actually I'm showcasing a product that uh, Geospark has built in the last uh, couple of years. Um, this product provides all of the things I spoke about a little bit earlier in the presentation. So the geospatial data, the internal data, as well as uh, some analysis tools. Now looking at a part of Mumbai, so this is Andheri Bangla area, uh, should be pretty familiar to everyone. And this is a standard Google map type of interface. Um, what I'll start showing you now is some of the data that uh, we call administrative or geospatial data. Click on a layer which is pin code data. So the red boundaries that you see are pin code boundaries. Companies used to have some data related to pin codes, so sales information or uh, population data against pin codes. But as you can see, even in a small area like Bandra, you can have Shahrukh Khan's house as well as Dharavi Islam in the same pin code. So in India, pin codes not don't really work. Uh, so then you get into the concept of localities. Locality is a bit more informal, so you can see some of the green boundaries that are showing up here on the map. So these green boundaries are sort of smaller divisions of the pin code, and typically these are things like you know Andheri East, Andheri West, Bandra. These are localities that you refer to side of uh, pin codes. But what we've done is we've actually broken up pin codes and localities into micro markets. Markets are 200 by 200 meter grid squares, very very granular, so they hardly have a few apartment blocks in each uh, grid square. Each of that has a lot of data attribution associated with it. You see this very clearly in your screen, but you have everything from population to income to spend categories. I'm not going to go into the depth of how we source this data, but if there are any questions, we can answer that later. But the idea here is now I have some detailed data in which on top of which I want to analysis. Say I'm a coffee shop and I want to open a coffee store. How do I use this information to Make a better decision. First of all, I want to see, um, you know, uh, what sort of demographics or income is available or is present in this city. So the first layer I want to switch on is something called economic segmentation index. This gives me an idea of what is the spread of economic segments, monthly household income across this area. So you can see it, there's a huge range, you know, less than twenty thousand all the way up to greater than four lakhs. Typical of any Indian city. In fact, if you look Closely in Andhra, you see there's a very you know, dark green and red just you know beside each other, um, two sides of the road. So this is basically you know a very very low income area next to a very high income area. Probably the maids and drivers come from there. So we've actually captured quite a you know, high level of granularity. So now I know the economic spend, uh, and and I also want to understand what is a lifestyle. Lifestyle is something that's slightly different. Lifestyle takes into account things like what is the literacy spend do they do on different types of uh, assets asset ownership and this again comes from a variety of data sources lifestyle is split into again different brackets but what i i think you would have noticed is that there are for example a, a single lifestyle index here but that's made up of different economic strata so in india the best example i can give you is a panwala probably earns more than you or i but who's more likely to buy life insurance or who's more likely to you know, get an emi for an iphone a big indication or a big uh, influence on purchasing pattern. Um, so let's say I'm a Starbucks and I want to open a store. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm interested in high economic wealth, but actually I'm more interested in the lifestyle. We have some filter tools and this works again, if people are familiar with, you know, uh, software systems, you would, you would understand where, you know, there's a very simple Excel query, which I'm saying, show me all the locations where lifestyle is equal to one. Um, 
but I'm just doing it on a map. And the advantage of doing it on a map is suddenly I start to see which of the areas I should focus on. And if I'm a newcomer to Mumbai, this is really, really valuable information because I can see that the level lifestyle one extends all the way, you know, from the north of Juhu down to Bandra. So I can open potentially a, a, a Starbucks store anywhere here. I can also make this uh, more complex. I can add, you know, economic segments as well. But for now, let me say, like, this is what I want to do. So if I hit apply, it will basically save this map view. And then I can do some interesting reporting. So I can say, okay, now let me go and find a site in here. So I can say, okay, let's look at a location in the center of this yellow area. And instead of doing circle or polygon, and which is basically either I have a circular area or a polygon, do a drive time. And a drive time is again a very geospatial um, query because this is actually going and hitting an API which is coming back and telling me how much area can I cover in a five minute drive time. This is average. Obviously those, you know, on peak hours, it'll be much smaller. Five minute area, I can kind of cover going in any direction, this sort of catchment in Andra. This is important for retail stores because they, a, they don't want to cannibalize each other and B, they also want to see what is the catchment, what does the catchment look like? So that I can do by generating this report. So I'm just going to quickly run this. Um, so that creates an Excel output, which tells me a little bit more about what exactly is, uh, you know, in this catchment. Five minute catchment, it, it, it breaks down, you know, what is the total population? Uh, how many people are in each uh, lifestyle category? So as you know, you know, Bandra is made up of both, you know, very, very high income, but also there are some low income groups. And what is the average household income? So again, there's a big split here actually in the household income. There are obviously very high household income, but there are also significant middle and lower middle class. This allows me to make some decisions about where to actually put this store. And if I keep changing the location, these reports would look different. Um, so on the basis of this, uh, someone like a Starbucks can say, okay, rather than putting my store here, I may want to move it around a little bit to to understand, you know, how better my catchment could look. And you can imagine the kind of savings they could have in uh, research spend, but also making wrong decisions. So if they open a store in a wrong, wrong location, then that costs a lot of money. Um, so this is the first example I wanted to talk about. Um, the slide kind of summarizes the, the ROI was basically on reducing the amount of spend in research and understanding which locations to open, but also the ability to Take these decisions virtually and see what impact it may have uh, the finances before they actually make that decision. Uh, application area, uh, looking at uh, financial services, another area in which we are uh, you know, experiencing a lot of very interesting uh, use cases and requests for geospatial information. This is reducing delinquency. And obviously in India, there's a huge, uh, you know, of NPAs, you know, we saw the Vijay Malyas of the world come and go. But there's also new players in you know, the fintech space. So you have people like PayU, um, the Paytm getting into this. And they're actually attracting a lot of the low-end uh, value customers. So 20,000 rupee, 15,000 rupee uh, consumer durable loans. And we are working with, you know, the top three lenders in the, in the country for personal and consumer durable loans. And the, the biggest thing that they come back to us with is, how do I understand the credit worthiness of someone who doesn't have a credit score? Interestingly, I was at a seminar the other day with Griff and they were saying, you know, a huge percentage of uh, 
credit scores are generated for the first time. So many customers don't even have a history. Uh, and so for someone like a Bajaj Finser, this is a big problem because 50% of the customers don't have any credit history. How do they make a decision? An engine that basically takes into account all of the data you saw, in addition to the historic data that you know says, okay, Bajaj has sourced these type of loans from these type of locations. Almost added a profile score to every single, pretty much every single building complex or every single set of buildings in the country, at least in the top cities. What this allows them to do is to add this information whenever they're making a process. If you're a customer, you go in and you put in an address. It doesn't say you're rejected if you live in a high risk area, but it adds a risk score if you don't have a, a credit score that you know applies to you from the past. If you've looked at Bajaj's uh, you know financials and the way they've reduced delinquency, um, they've actually brought it down from double digit to single digit. Kind of uh, the, the summary that you see there. And we've seen this across all lending companies, not just Bajaj, even the smaller ones, which have much smaller volumes. There's a very significant correlation. And if you think about it, uh, India, that's very, uh, in buildings, people are pretty homogeneous in terms of lifestyle, may not be income, but the aspirational, the lifestyle aspect is pretty similar in several of the housing complexes in, in big cities. So that becomes a indicator for uh, purchase behavior as well as delinquency behavior, both ways. We've seen a lot of applications in the risk and delinquency area, but we're also seeing a lot of requests for, can I upsell a product to a customer if he lives in a location, for example? Again, that's a very geospatial question that we are helping. Um, so the third use case uh, is a slightly different area of agriculture. Um, agriculture by, on its, by its very nature is very geospatial. So you have soil data, you have weather data, which is all geospatial. But we are actually helping a seeds R&D company look at how can they combine all of this different information in a geospatial platform that allows for very fast and very iterative modeling and analytics. Give you a sense, you know, they have like terabytes of data for every season. They have, you know, over 500 uh, research stations across, you know, the countries in the world. So there's a huge amount of data that they're collecting. Um, but what they didn't have was a geospatial platform that allowed them all this data together to try and make sense of it. So I'll just show you a couple of uh, glimpses of what this platform does because uh, seeing is better than hearing about it. Um, so I've just opened up another application. So this is uh, Project Columbus uh, because we're discovering basically patterns in data. Uh, what you're looking at is a is a farm in the US. This is a satellite image. Um, image shows you, you know, some, some uh, part of the farm but often uh, it doesn't show you the detailed picture. So one of the areas in which geospatial is really kind of catching on is drone data. So this is a overlay of a drone image. And as I keep zooming in, you'll see that the image keeps getting better and better. Um, and eventually, you know, as we get close, you'll even be able to identify individual plants. This is about a few centimeter resolution. So about an inch or so resolution of imagery. That means every inch is covered as a pixel in this uh, allows me to do things that are very interesting. So one of the things that this company did was they put uh, high precision uh, planters in uh, in all of their farms and that allowed them to track the GPS location of every single seed that they were planting. Put on a layer that now shows me what it, there's about 6 million seeds in this field alone. Um, this allows the company to see, okay, 
depending on the number of seeds I've planted, how many actually made it to Germany. So for example, you can see here, there's two seeds that I planted, but plants haven't really appeared there. That means that some in the germination process, which said the plant didn't grow. Um, that's, just, that's the precision of analysis that, um, uh, you know, that this kind of platform can provide. And geospatial analysis was the only way they could bring these two different layers together. Um, another very interesting one is, you know, how do I combine soil information uh, or weather information to this data? So I'll show you an example of some of the analytics that you can run on this. So the same information, we actually created plots around each of the plants. Uh, and there's something called growing degree days, which you can calculate it. Growing degree days is, is nothing complex, it's basically telling me uh, how much time, you know, the maturity of the plant going to reach a point in which I can uh, harvest. And this is actually creating a chart that allows me to recalculate um, based on the planting date. So if I just select something, graph, so this actually allows the uh, the user to tell, uh, sorry, the graph is not loading up, but allows the user to uh, determine uh, when the plant should be harvested based on different parameters like weather and climate and soil data. Um, and then one final thing just that I wanted to show you was looking at um, bringing in some satellite information to make some inferences about the plant health or the the soil health in that area. So this is another location that they have um, information for, and these are different fields that they're conducting experiments on. If you if you see, I've just hovered over a particular area, which is actually taking in, taking in some soil information. It's a bit coarse, so that's why you're seeing it as red. It's basically showing me the real-time uh, soil level uh, at this location. So anywhere it's looking at vegetative indices. So there's pretty poor health in this farm at the moment, and you can see that there's not much growth that's happening. I can also look at different types of properties, uh, vegetative indices that we also we can run continuous monitoring from satellite imagery to also give them. So these are the kind of two live applications I wanted to show you, um, and it gives you a sense of where geospatial could be applied everywhere from banking, finance to retail and agriculture. Um, this slide, I just wanted to cover a little bit on, you know, AI, machine learning, because that's a very topical subject. And there is huge applications in geospatial for artificial intelligence, as well as machine learning and deep learning for that matter. I've just highlighted three use cases, which we've actually developed some solutions for, but there are many more. So the first one is, again, this is using satellite image to extract information. So in a country like India or in countries like, uh, Nigeria, parts of Africa, where digital geospatial data is not readily available, satellite information provides a very reliable, continuous way to extract data. So whether it is road segments or building data, you can actually run machine learning models to uh, create some very high resolution data from satellite imagery. We did a project recently with uh, a global uh, UN organization to look at how we can identify building types. And that's what you're seeing in the second uh, if images. Um, this is actually in Karnataka and uh, part of Mumbai, where we're identifying slums, we're identifying informal settlements, because they wanted to look at where are these informal settlements coming up and how do they tally with accessibility to roads, for example, and infrastructure. Again, very interesting use case in a developing country uh, like India. 
uh, and then the last one is continuous monitoring so this this image is actually showing what happens before and after a flood we did lots of work for the kerala flood as well as the one in orissa earlier this year last year um it's a very powerful way of using satellite imagery to provide uh, cutting edge insight so uh, for for example in the kerala situation we provided information to the government on which are the areas they should focus on to target rescue operation because not everywhere was affected equally but also not everywhere uh, were there people living so we kind of tallied the population density with uh, height of the flood to target you know to allow these helicopters to go and target aid so that's a very real use case for uh, you know in, in geospatial and i can answer any further questions on how you can use machine learning with geospatial but this is a very evolving area and something that i see a lot of future applications about future so i have uh, just one slide on where i think geospatial analytics is heading you know in the next 5 10 years um, everybody is talking about driverless cars and autonomous vehicles so the first picture on the left is showing um, autonomous vehicles and an image of how you know we see autonomous vehicles and managing uh, the position of a car as well as other cars there's a very interesting anecdote anecdote which i read earlier uh, last week was um, during one of the tests in the in the uber autonomous vehicle the vehicle apparently stopped in the middle of road without any reason when they went back to the logs and checked the digital surface model which provides the height information to any any location on the, on the earth off by a few inches and therefore the car thought it was actually going to be hitting a wall rather than crossing uh, you know the road so high precision geospatial data is very critical for like autonomous systems and it's something that will continue to evolve and will need systems geospatial systems to manage the next one on the right is uh, some imagery from the moon as well as pluto um, and uh, there's some very interesting research happening on space navigation uh, especially with uh, the whole you know chandrayaan uh, and mangal uh, missions there are very interesting research happening actually in india in what is the shortest paths to get to planetary systems again this is a very very interesting geospatial use case because it's all you know uh, space uh, and orientation related but you have very different uh, navigation pathways because of gravitational field so another application which i see in the future is you know more and more requirements for space based navigation um and then the final area which is a little closer to home and i'm seeing a lot of applications is indoor mapping so many many companies are focusing on the seamless integration from outdoor to indoor for those of you who don't know navigation happens through you know satellites which provide you the gps location you cannot connect to satellites when you are indoors not very accurately anyway and we've been a huge problem um, but things like i beacons and wifi beacons bluetooth beacons are coming in to help uh, wayfinding inside of large hospitals large airports the technology is still a little expensive so over the next few years we'll see commoditization monetization of that um, all of the application i spoke about externally could also be done you know in a very large indoor setting like an airport uh, or a stadium uh, or a mall and there are many many uh, you know companies that are already well underway to these uh, solutions um so that was kind of it in terms of uh, the presentation i just wanted to summarize uh, you know 
what we do and what is our focus in this whole geospatial area. Um, so we we kind of started off as a services company providing geospatial technology and tools to companies that uh, wanted it. But we've quickly realized that there's a lot of applications that are not necessarily only geospatial driven, but combines things like satellite imagery. Uh, and so we brought in a planetary insights team that looks at how do we use satellite data to do monitoring tools, then to take decisions during disasters, things like that. Uh, and then finally, we bring it all together by delivering scalable enterprise solutions on the cloud or on premise. Um, and you know, we have three kind of key product areas in terms of focus. Uh, so GeoKey is the product you saw last, which is the agriculture you know demo that was built on that. Um, and GeoMarketer is the first demo you saw. The middle one is a little bit more technical. It, it allows us to break uh, and uh, parse very complex Indian addresses. Not in for let's say someone like a bank or a lending company and say, I have you know 10 million customers in my database. I want to map them. Mapping them means I have to take an address and put a lat long against it. And you probably know addressing in India is one of the most messy string problems ever. Um, and we are not, you know, we're not very far, but we are, you know, quite quite a long way ahead of other people in this area uh, to solving that problem. Uh, so we break down the address and match it to coordinates and, you know, and bureaus are already using this service. Um, and just a splash on some of the customers, uh, it won't take too long, but uh, it's across multiple industries, retail, banking, agriculture, um, and some navigation uh, and MCG companies. And then just a final slide on the team. So th that's kind of in terms of the presentation, I've reached the end of those slides. Uh, maybe we can go on to some of the questions that we had. Thank you, Dhruva, for this session. It was, I think, I, even me, I got so many amazing insights of the work which you have done and the things which you are doing on the geospatial. So going forward, um, let's take uh, Himanshu, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, what I would suggest is uh, if we can go through the questions. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have them right away in front of me, but um, Maybe start picking up uh, some of the questions, and uh, you know, Drew can answer those. Yeah, for the audience. Chat box. So, uh, so Dhruva, I have questions in front of me. Um, we'll start with few. So, uh, the first one is the opportunities in geospatial tech space and its relevance to AI. So, I touched upon it a little. Um, I think there is huge potential, especially because um, spatial data is kind of in everything if you think about it. So, customer address, your location, and with the mobility, you know, being so high, the penetration of mobility being so high. And 5G coming about, there's so much geospatial data that's going to be generated from machines, from from humans and their mobile phones. All of this is going to require uh, platform AI tools to be able to break down before you even get to the geospatial. And you could also use those in combination. For example, can I predict uh, when the next crime would happen and where it would happen? That's a very classic example of using 
predictive ai geospatial and big data uh, sort of like minority report almost uh, which and it will become a reality that's something that even been looking at with some of the defense organizations so it's not far away this type of uh, applications that's just one example of how i think you know i can be combined with geospatial thank you dhruva um so next question is from ajay man um he wants to ask what works has been going on in the geospatial area for linear infrastructure that's an interesting question uh, traditionally and this is a slightly technical topic but traditionally uh, like railways roadways uh, have always been dealt with using traditional gis uh, tools uh, called as linear referencing and um, typically you you rely on something called chainage or mileage uh, to reference you know let's say you have a pothole on mile number 1.5 or so there's no geographic coordinates i think uh, more and more you're going to have applications so one of the things we've been actually talking to a couple of government agencies on was questions like how much road has been constructed in the state of maharashtra in the last 6 months I tell you that without having to open a single uh, book or a single contract or go down and take a single picture because satellites are capturing this all the time you can use a series time series of satellite data and tell you from january 1st to 1st of october 2019 how much kilometer of road has been built in this city or in this country or even in the world actually theoretically possible i see linear assets uh, now the data about linear assets going to be becoming available much more easily and with things like drones becoming a little bit more commoditized you can start to um, capture model uh, and even look at things like damage detection for linear assets so i can fly a power line section using a drone and i can automatically from the imagery identify where there are potential issues the pylons or in the wiring along the electricity line typically i would have had to send a team of surveyors or fly a craft to do it all of these things are i think going to significantly affect linear assets and how they are uh, um so next question is from sakshi she wants to know how can be leveraged in the social development context interesting question and that's kind of what i mentioned with our work with unicef so um you know again lot of social uh, applications are there because satellite information geospatial data you can actually interventions uh, in the right places uh, and a very small example could be even for the farmer you can warn him beforehand about the weather situation you know he can take action on you know his crop to protect his crop um for for this un project we actually looked at accessibility and um certain communities may be uh, very vulnerable based on what road access transportation access they have and and this is in countries like you know nigeria or, or tanzania where there's very little infrastructure information there's huge applications for social and in fact that is an area we are actually actively looking at how we can uh, use this technology commoditize it so it's you know affordable for ngos or even you know socially driven causes to uh, take advantage of but yeah i believe there's lots of potential thank you dhruv so we'll take last question from this sheet and then we'll go for for the chat box so the question is is again an interesting question that how come 
in a such a small time frame you made a huge business in gis that, that, that is an interesting question so you know luck <laughs> i don't know. So, so so no i, I think um, that is reflective of what the potential has in this industry and and, it, and you know that question is very interesting because yeah in four years we have made significant uh, size of business of uh, the application areas as well as the the dent that we have made in this in this, uh, in this technology space but i think it's fundamentally because every data set that you are collecting today as a business has some kind of location element companies are not making use of that so they are willing to use excel to create you know very complex pivot tables but just put that on a map and you see the difference in the insights that you get so i start all my presentations with just that fundamental piece that okay give me your excel data i'll put it on a map and then you can discuss what all you we've spoken to businesses from you know you know very very old businesses old banks like sbi to very modern fintechs like bajaj and everybody is still grappling with how can they use location so i think there's still more potential i mean there's enough space in this market for many more new companies to come up and great thanks thank you dhruva so we'll go for with the chat box so the first question is for the coffee chain use case uh, this question has been asked from bharat that getting data to a precise level how did you manage that and what are the source are they free sources or paid i mean we can have a separate session on how we can you know get the data because it's a very complex process um, yeah. i'll give you some i'll give you some kind of insights uh, uh, for example a lot of the base data we get is from electoral rolls electoral rolls are freely available but they're very tough to manage as a data set because you get them in pdfs in 20 different languages to translate and then map so we've taken the pain to work with some digitization partners to actually digitize those pdfs and then map it and then create a data set from it since we buy so there are market research companies that sell data uh, i'm sure you're aware of some of these market research agencies and then we usually use a combination of data modeling and some data science to correlate some of this market insight with you know public available data sets to create you know what you what you saw as a demo um, and finally we use a field force you know partner field force to validate some of this data so we don't do any field based data collection because in a country like india that is just not scalable but we do use some field force to validate data so we go and ask them to check you know uh, model assumptions that we may have made uh, to arrive at the at the data outputs that we got thank you dhruva <clears throat> from nisant uh, can you please share an example on how one can leverage geospatial analytics for a retail store design if question correctly uh, there are there are two types i i guess for design so one is uh, one is merchandising mix so what i mean is if you are a grocery store let's say like a star bazaar or a big bazaar um, one of the fundamental decisions you may have to make is how much aisle space do i give to what kind of products right how, how do i design I store in a way that I can uh, fit all the products that I have, or actually that's not theoretically possible because these so many SKUs. But what brands or what products should I put in which uh, store, and that can be influenced by geospatial because if I know the catchment, let's say, is a very premium catchment with high uh, wallet uh, capacity, then I may want to stock more premium brands, or even based on the lifestyle segment it tells me okay there are more young people here so i want to stock different types of products so 
product stocking can definitely be influenced by you know the, the way in which uh, the catchment is behaving um, from a design perspective i think there's less of an influence if you're asking things like what sort of decor or what sort of layout i should have that really i'm not sure if geospatial can help maybe the indoor part could help so i know a company in the us that's helping friends um, like apparel stores put the jeans in the right shelves based on how people are walking around the store for example so there is a play there and that is also geospatially driven but based on indoor uh, indoor plan data next question is uh, julius wants to share something uh, so julius take care of the bi for an ngo with presence over 60 geospatial is analysis is something that we have been talking about for a while now do you think we can map specific communities that we work around map assets like wells schools etc how do we collect such information in draw communities can we also look at collecting third party data for our analysis and embedding them into our data sources they have recently partnered with esri how can we develop the space yeah so very interesting question i think it's related again to another social uh, question that i asked yeah. earlier mm-hmm. yeah so for, for those who aren't aware esri is the company i used to work for so they are the largest you know geospatial software vendor in the world actually um so so they are a good partner to have for sure from a software perspective in terms of data i think is the question that julius is asking i think there are multiple ways to source data one is obviously looking at public uh, sources um, so in india for example nic have a pretty large schools database which uh, which i have used in the past we've also used uh, some machine learning and ai to look at um, if we know what schools look like from a satellite image and i can correlate that with the nic database i can then go around and look at other potential buildings that look like schools it may be a little bit more difficult because they if they are underground but if they are overground and they are open to the sky um that's another you know satellite image application i can see so there are non traditional ways to source data especially using satellites um, which is what i would recommend i mean we can connect offline to see uh, there are other ways to to source these types of information um and finally there are lots of lots of crowdsourcing data sets available i don't know if you have heard of open street map but open street map is the largest community sourced uh, in the world it's actually competes with google in some places for the detail that they managed to achieve it's all driven from you know people like me people like uh, so many uh, individuals who contribute they actually go and draw on the map and say this is a road here this is a road here so that is definitely worth looking at open street map have a lot of Uh, really available outsourced data next question is from bharani uh, we want to know that how do you secure the data which you have uh, like security data security or privacy of the customers like how you do that yeah so that's a very important question so the thing to kind of mention here is we don't have any pii data personally identifiable in um because of these privacy issues but i can guarantee you so so network providers like you know idea vodafone collect data pretty granular data so they have you know for example they sell the data of for example how many people along this street segment or what is the value of the average monthly bill of people who live in this street segment so it's anonymized so it's not like i know himanshu spends on his mobile bill 
but i know that there are there's an average spend of 1000 rupees in this street segment versus 200 rupees in this street segment so that is a data set for example which is available for people like analytics companies like us to buy um this is a concern but i think you know there are ways to anonymize it and all geospatial data that we are using is all aggregated data so it's not totally anonymous but it's aggregated so i cannot i cannot track it down to an individual even the indoor mapping example is i can track a person as he is walking around but i don't know who or she is right i just know it is a it is a person walking in and more importantly when i aggregate that i say okay the use case i was talking about is you know 25 people per minute cross this aisle versus 3 people per minute cross this aisle and therefore it makes more sense for me to put the premium products in the 25 people per minute aisle that is the kind of analytics that you usually do on a geospatial level so i think privacy is a valid concern it is continues to come up in discussion uh, but i think geospatial has a good way of you know using location rather than the you know name and personal information so location as well as some attribution data actually the individual uh, so next question is on the same line that uh, the indoor mapping which you shared how this would conflict with privacy we we covered that i kind of saw that question and yeah. so i think we kind of covered that so okay, so we'll go for the next question that is the data openly available on agriculture crops in india or where we can source the information because data some of it is openly available in terms of you know how much area is cultivated by district so niti aayog have quite a lot of open data sets uh what i was talking about from a crop perspective is actually we we are building models on ground truth and satellite data correlations to say okay how much rice is grown in maharashtra this year um at a village level so i know at a village level that there's been acres of rice in this village and thousand acres of rice in that village this is important because crop insurers cannot be sitting in office you know cannot be sending people all over the country so how do they sit in one place and headquarter and be able to monitor to a fairly accurate level down to village level um what sort of crop sowing has happened what sort of harvesting is happening uh, what sort of weather phenomenon is causing a drop in the crop health uh, we are actually working already with two major insurance companies on you know, continuous monitoring of across the country so it is possible to get agricultural data but it relies on a lot of field validation because as you know agriculture in india is pretty uh unorganized uh you know down to the villager level and the farm holding size is very small so it's difficult to for a farmer to invest so typically you have either insurance companies or you know the uh, uh cooperatives who invest in technology like this next question is um how this but so this this geospatial space what is the future of its market potential i covered some of that but i think uh, two or three key drivers i see in this industry so one is 5g so with the ability to transfer huge amounts of data it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to use mobile phones more of course there will be more mobile phones but what that really unlocks is the machine uh, and iot space so every machine every car every refrigerator every you know everything basically is going to have a chip enabled that's allowing it to transmit data and that data will include a location component uh, 
uh, we were talking to Kone the other day. Uh, they are interested in looking at how is their sales of elevators and related products uh, related to the demographics or uh, you know the affluence of an area. Even manufacturing companies are getting attuned to the fact that you know, usage of their materials or usage of their products is dependent on geographic uh, you know parameters. So I think that is only going to explode in the future. So 5G is one. The other is monetization of drones and satellites. So five years five years ago, it was very difficult for anyone to get hold of satellite data. Today, it's an API call, uh, freely available satellite data, actually. Um, similarly, with drones, now there is legislation available in India for people to fly drone. So the data acquisition becomes that much cheaper. And then finally, I think, the last uh, driver would be adoption is going to be high because you know the younger generation is already used to maps, right? They use Uber, they use maps, they use Zomato. Everything is location driven. So when they get into the workforce, they're also going to expect enterprise tools that are location driven. Um, and I, I see that happening, you know, day by day. You know, customers are already aware of the potential that mapping can provide for their operations. So. Um, I think we don't have any more questions. So just one question from my side. Um, any suggestions for the young entrepreneurs? So, so yeah, I mean, given that there's so much potential, I think there's huge, uh, you know, there's huge space for new tech uh, innovations in this space. Uh, that, you know, we are not touching like healthcare, transportation. There's so much application in these areas. Uh, and as a company, we actually had to focus down on a two or three specific areas rather than go after, you know, everything. Because geospatial is applicable theoretically in any space, um, but we are focusing only on retail, you know, insurance and banking for now, and agriculture. These are only three care areas that we focus on. But, you know, there's enough space and in indoor mapping, for example, just getting on the on the kind of curve, upward curve of geospatial adoption. So I think there's huge potential and I'd like to see you know, more entrepreneurs, more tech companies in this space. That's true. I thank you so much, Dhruva, for giving this insight. Um, I will take last question from Mahesh. Um, any applications in anti-money laundering domain? So that's an interesting question. I think to some extent there is uh, potential. Um, there are companies that are looking at uh, transfer of uh, funds across geographies as an indicator of uh, you know, flagging potential fraud or money laundering. Um, there are also systems in place though that track you know the, the movement of money. So you have specific wire to track them. Um, but if you have Latlong, for for example, Latlong information, we can certainly have a conversation. So happy to connect you know, offline. Um, but there is definitely a huge uh, fraud fraud uh, use case using geospatial because if you a transaction suddenly you can look at patterns of what transactions are happening where uh, and using a combination of AI and location analytics you can predict which could be fraudulent transactions and uh, which uh, which are not. So certainly interested in connecting offline if you want to discuss. So thank you, Druva. Um the marks so thank you so much for taking out time from your busy schedule and joining in for this webinar and sharing some amazing insights on your space and especially for the entrepreneurship so thanks means it's a pleasure to have you with us and to have on to have with you for this webinar
much you and, and thank you uh organizing this and you know inviting me uh great to have connected with everyone uh those of you who want to be in touch with me my email i'm just putting it in the chat window or you can connect on linkedin um do drop me a note uh happy to chat and always interested in potential applications for, for geospatial stuff thanks ru um i once again this is himanshu varukar and uh, just before everybody drops off um, uh, an announcement that we are looking to do on the ground um, analytics uh, event in mumbai sometime towards end of november uh, and keep the uh, audience posted in terms of the date and venue and everything uh, and looking forward to make it uh, very successful with support from all of you again promising a very interesting line of speakers at that time as well thank you imanshu again for taking time out from your busy schedule also so uh, i am i am imanshu arya from office of alumni engagement we look forward to have you all again for such an amazing webinars and on ground events i am uh, sharing the feedback form please please fill in this feedback form so it it helps us to um, plan such amazing webinars and on ground events for you thank you so much bye
Thank you. 